Maybe my Ellie De La Cruz take was a little too spicy. Like, him being the face of baseball by the end of this season is a very, very fast timeline for that to happen. But I'm telling you, man, I see a Ellie De La Cruz highlight on my Twitter timeline at least once a night, if not multiple. And tonight he hits for the cycle. Like, absolutely wild. Uh, I mean, he's phenomenal. And he plays in a different time zone. It's hard for me to catch Shohei Otani highlights because when he's playing, oftentimes I'm sleeping, like much of America. With that said, it was a rough one for the Guardians tonight. They fall to the Brewers tonight. And uh, not a great outing for Shane Bieber either. We welcome in our good friend of the show, a fellow John Carroll alum, and the host of Guardians Live on Bally Sports Great Lakes, Al Pulowski, joining us following tonight's game. Al, did you stay dry out there tonight, man? I did. The key was to stay in the press box, and then you don't have to worry <laughs> about getting wet. <laughs> that is the key. You're lucky you have that luxury that the fans all had to make their way to the concourse, obviously, to stay out of the weather. But, um, yeah, obviously a rough one tonight. Um, I, let's start with Shane Bieber because – this is now two in a row where he's struggled a little bit, and he's had a few others throughout the season. It's kind of been a bad one and then some good ones and then a bad one. But I, I'm curious because with all the talk about moving on from Shane, and I'm from fans are going to hear uh, this is more reason why they should, but we know the Guardians and how they operate. Like They're not going to move on from a guy unless they think they can get the full value. What does this do, you think, for his trade value as we inch closer to the deadline? Do you think it means they're more inclined to keep him? Well, yeah, I mean, what they get back is going to play a big role in it. Um, and, two, you got to see where the team is. I mean, if the team is in contention, that's definitely going to be a factor. And in this division this year, I don't see why they wouldn't be because the Central is just yeah. its not good. I mean, for a while now, you've got a team leading the division below 500 in the Minnesota Twins. I mean, they are very fallible. Um, Cleveland should be able to catch them. But you don't know either. I mean, that's why you play the games to see how it plays out. But I uh, that's going to factor into it. What the return is also going to factor into it, too, because if teams right now are saying, like, well, you know, which would be not right, but this is what they might say. Well, he's a five-inning pitcher. You know, he's lost three miles per hour off his, his velo at his yeah. high a couple of years ago. And they're going to bring all those things up. But if you're Cleveland, this is what you know. Shane Bieber's a guy that can go out there and win baseball games. He doesn't have to throw 93 or 94. Greg Maddox didn't already prove that. And I'm not saying Bieber is Greg Maddox, but – Greg Maddox proved that you could go out there with an 80-something mile-per-hour fastball, and if you're hitting your spots and you have good secondary stuff, which Bieber does, you can win Major League Baseball games. You've got to be a lot more accurate. You have less room for error, but you can still win. So that all that being said, I think if Cleveland gets the right package, do they trade him? Yes, because he's not going to sign long-term here. I mean, his agency's not going to let him do that. It's clear that they want to make him get this big contract. Now, is he going to get it or not? That's another road that we have to go down later, I suppose, but not right now. But you're not going to sign him long-term. So if the, if the package is right, you have to make the trade. That being said, if the package is not right, then you hold on to him because he's very useful to Cleveland or any major <laughs> league team because he can win baseball games. Well, and especially, I think, with the injury situation, we know Tristan McKenzie's status, and anytime you hear elbow, you know you're kind of in for it, and, and it might not just be a month thing. It could be uh, even longer than that. So I think with that sort of context as well, maybe more reason for Cleveland to keep Shane Bieber. And I've kind of argued this, Al, like if 
if they if if they're only two games back, given all the injuries they've dealt with and sort of the sluggish offense that's just been bipolar at times, and it, like if they, if they can somehow win the division. Like, wouldn't you want a guy like Shane Bieber for the playoffs just to know that you have something at the top of your rotation to kind of carry you? And then if you get these young guys' experience beyond that, then I think that's great as well. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a great point. And the thing is, it's like, okay, if if they can trade Shane Bieber and get the package they want, does that include a veteran arm coming back that maybe isn't seen as the same level as a Shane Bieber along with some young prospects? You don't know what the package coming back is. It's unlikely you would get a decent arm back in return because that team probably needs pitching. So they're going to not want to give you pitching to get Bieber. Um, But, yeah, if they make the postseason, and as we well know in the game of baseball, anything can happen in the postseason. It seems it's rare nowadays that the top team in each league makes it to the World Series. Usually something happens to that team, and it's whoever gets hot in October. So if these young kids can continue to develop uh, you've got to watch their workload, obviously, because this will be the, the most innings they've ever thrown in their lives during a baseball season. But if they can continue to do that, you'd want a veteran at the top. You're right. Because of health reasons, this season you cannot count on Tristan McKenzie to come back this year. You'd love to see him come back. You just don't know. So Bieber would be that veteran. I mean, and right now you hope Cal Quantrill can come back. It sounds like he's going to be ready to – to rejoin the club on the next road trip. You hope his shoulder is okay. If he can come back and if you've got Bieber, now you've got a couple of veterans there to go with your young guys who have a lot of promise, but they are rookies. So rookies in October, I mean, that's an awfully big stage, and that's asking an awful awful lot of those kids. Catching up with Al Pulowski on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Well, we go from Shane Bieber to another player who – I guess fans would obviously consider maybe a tradable asset in Ahmed Rosario. It's an interesting situation with him, too, because he is playing a lot better, particularly at the plate batting, uh, where he's got a slash line of 319, 360, uh, 737 in the month of June. So there's an uptick there. He's becoming that offensive player that he was last year. But I still think people kind of realize, like, he may not be the long-term piece there, especially when you have Tyler Freeman waiting in the wings. We know Tito's talked a lot about trying to get Tyler Freeman more reps, and it just hasn't really been able to happen. So the patience has kind of paid off in waiting out of med and getting that bat going. But at the same time, what do you think the future holds for him? Well, it's you know, it's a great question because there's there are a lot of questions around Ahmed Rosario from everything from his contract to his defense to, you know, where does he – ultimately fit long-term in this lineup if you keep him. So, you know, what are the positives first? Well, he's a veteran. He plays hard. He runs every ball out to first base. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of guys that don't do that. Part of the reason why Cleveland has been so successful is because of Ed Rosario and Jose Ramirez play the game hard. They're team leaders. And then the younger players tend to follow who your leaders are. So that's big. As you pointed out, he's getting hot in June. Historically, he's done this the last couple of years, especially last season. This season seems to be following the same pattern. He hits the same in the clutch as he does earlier in the game. He's not a guy that chokes in the clutch. So you've got a guy there that there's there's some positives. Now, what are the negatives? Well, his contract is up after this year. It is doubtful that they would sign him long-term, mainly because of what he's going to want financially and what the Guardians will be willing to give him with all of these shortstops that they currently have that have a lot of talent. So he's probably not going to be here long-term. 
second thing is, what are you going to get back for him if you try to trade him right now? Well, quite honestly, not not a whole lot, probably because you, you'd only have him for a couple of months. And because defensively at shortstop, if you look at the metrics, he's one of the worst defensive shortstops this season in the American League, the metrics say. And I, I'm not saying he doesn't make some plays. I'm not saying he doesn't have a good arm. I'm not saying he doesn't you know, give it 100% every time he's out there. He does all those things. But metrics-wise, and nowadays we're so into analytics, every other team's going to look at this and say, okay, well, he's not a guy I want at shortstop. Every other team in baseball is probably going to say, I've got a better defensive shortstop right now. So now where do I play him? Well, defensively, he's not – I mean, that's his best position. The Cleveland tried him in, in the outfield. That didn't work out at all. You could put him at second base in theory, but is, is a team in contention going to want to make that move in the middle of the season? So you've got a lot of things to consider here. I think Rosario probably stays throughout this year, and then after this year he, he probably moves on to somebody else with a multi-year deal. That's what I think is going to happen, but, of course, I don't have a crystal ball, and, and anything could happen. There's so many variables, but, but he's a guy – Spencer, that's got more variables around him than just about anybody on this team right yeah, now. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. I think that's some fair perspective on it. You mentioned Cal Quantrill earlier when we were talking about Bieber and the rotation. He, you mentioned he was around the stadium today. Sounds like he's going to be ready for that next road trip. What does that mean for the player that gets sent down in his return to the rotation, assuming that's what they would do? Is there a player that maybe they have in mind? I haven't had a chance to for what it's worth, I, we haven't played the uh, Tito audio yet, so I don't know if he talked about that after the game at all. But if you, can you give us some insight into what that'll look like once he's back in the rotation? Well, you're pretty sure that Gavin Williams is going to get another start against Kansas City. If, yeah. if that goes so-so or, you know, if he, if he doesn't go out there and absolutely dominate the Royals, it probably makes sense to send Gavin Williams back down, let him continue to develop in AAA. He got his taste of the big leagues. He very well could be back up later. That might be the easy one to do. With those things in mind, you've also got guys like Bybee and Allen who you've got to mind their innings this year. And I think you could make a case to send either one of them down. Bybee's been a little bit more consistent. Uh, Logan Allen of late, you look at his last four or five starts, he's given up some runs, some base runners. Um, so maybe, again, he goes back down to AAA for a little bit, refines his stuff. I think he's going to be a regular in this rotation in the future, but that's a guy that you could as well. Um, so those are the, those are the candidates, the three young guys right there. I, I think it's you know among Allen, Bybee, Williams. Obviously, you're not going to do anything with Bieber. Um, so we'll see where it goes from there. But there's different cases you can make for different ones. And quite honestly, uh, when Cal's ready to come back in another week or so, let's say if that you know that's what we're looking at. We don't know for sure, but that's kind of what we're looking at. We don't know what these other pitchers are going to look like. We don't know what the rotation is going to look like at that time. You know, we could have another injury. We hope not. Yeah. But that could be a factor, too. But I, I think that's kind of what I gave you right there is kind of what we're looking at. A few more minutes with Al Pulowski here on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. You talk about, you know, the guys bouncing between AAA and the majors. And I'm curious just what your perspective has been on how this front office and this team kind of manages that. Because we, we always hear, you know, you don't want to – send a guy down and ruin his confidence and all these different things. How do they manage that with these players to kind of keep their confidence up and let them know that they still believe in them and that maybe this is just like a small chance to come up, but they'll be more down the line. How do they, how do they handle that with players? Yeah, it's a delicate balance because as you said, you don't want to hurt a guy's confidence, but sometimes there, there's no choice. You just got to yeah. send the guy down because you got somebody coming back. Um, off an injury or you've got another guy coming in through a trade or, or there's somebody super hot at AAA and you're saying, okay, we got to get this guy up here. 
Um, but the one thing they'll say, and this is true, is that most players do rarely do you come up and then just stay up for the rest of your career. That's rare. Mm-hmm. That's what you would like in, a, uh, in an ideal situation, and occasionally it does happen. But most guys do not uh, go down or, or come up and then stay up. Usually they, they go back down. But, you know, you find out a lot about their character, too, because they got a taste of the big leagues. Now they know exactly what it takes to play at the big league level, to stay here at the big league level. They know what they have to work on to get a little bit better to do that. So the good ones go back down. They work on those things when they get another chance, and most of the time they do. Now they're much more ready than they were the first time. I mean, Tyler Freeman's a pretty good example of that. Here's a guy that on most big league clubs, I mean, I can just look around now and say, you know, Detroit, uh, maybe even Milwaukee, who, who Cleveland played tonight, definitely Oakland, these types of teams. He would be in the everyday major league lineup if he were on those teams because there's there's room for him. Right now in Cleveland, I mean, you've got guys like you've got Arias who's trying to find a spot. You've got Tyler Freeman. You've got a couple other guys that are that are bubbling under a triple-A ready to come up. So it's not easy, but he's an example of a guy that, you know, he's had to go up and down a little bit. He's had a, he's had a sit sometimes, but yet for the most part, when he gets in that lineup, he produces. He plays good defense. He made an incredible catch tonight. Um, so when you see guys like that, like Tyler Freeman, that's how I know that he's going to be a successful major leaguer. Will it be here in Cleveland? Um, you hope so, but maybe there's a trade that makes sense. And I have no doubt that wherever that kid goes, he's going to be a successful major league player because he's been able to handle in the early part of his career not being an everyday player up here at this level. I just kind of thought of this. I want to get you out of here with it. In the NFL, we always talk about the value of guys playing like immediately and just getting those reps and being able to see it. But in baseball, we're always prioritizing, well, they want to get those reps, but they want to get them at AAA. What's like the difference, I guess, where – why in baseball we feel it's better to get the reps in AAA instead of maybe at the major league level? Well, first of all, it, when somebody says, hey, we, we want to go down and play every day, it's because they're not playing every day at the major league sure. level. So, if sure. you, Yeah, so if, if you can play every day, that's the important thing as far as the younger players go in development. So would they rather have them play every day against major league competition? Absolutely. But at the major league level, you might be looking and saying, hey, we can still make this to October. Yeah. We've got a couple of veterans up here that are right now better players than this young kid is, even though we think this young kid eventually will be better than these veterans. If you're out of it up here at this level, it's much easier than just put a guy at a position and let him play and see what happens. But the difference is, too, I mean, think about football. There's no real minor league in football. I mean, For sure. so I say, you know, the USFL or whatever. But in baseball, you have that option. Same thing in hockey. You know, you have a minor league to a degree now in the NBA. You have a minor league where you can send guys down that get an opportunity to play a lot. I've always said it this way, though. If AAA is like you're facing a fifth starter every day at the major league level. Occasionally, you'll get a guy that goes through AAA like Gavin Williams, who is better than a typical major league fifth starter, uh, even at this point in his young career. But most of the guys that are in AAA are fifth starters at the major league level. When you get to the major leagues, you get to see that fifth starter every fifth day. You have to face one through four um, the other time. So it's easier to hit uh, at AAA because you're not facing those tough pitchers. If they're good pitchers, they're not in AAA. They're at the major league level. Same thing goes for the hitters. I mean, you're facing a lot of seven, eight, nine guys in the minor leagues if you're pitching. You know, guys that if, if they were called up, that's where they would be hitting in the major league order. So you're facing guys that are, you know, fringe major leaguers, 
could maybe be major leaguers in some situations or are guys that are on their way back down. They're up at the majors for a while and there's just no room for them. But basically that's what you're facing down there. So, you know, you can learn against that level because there's a higher chance of success. And then when you come up to the major leagues, I mean, you get to see what it's like to face the best players in the world. And, and that's a, that's an entirely different level. It's it really is a huge jump from triple A to the majors. It's a, it's a little jump from double A to triple A, just like it's a little jump from single A to double A, but from triple A to the majors, that is a huge jump. He's Al Pulowski, Emmy winning host of guardians live on Bally sports, great lakes. He does a tremendous job. You can follow him on Twitter at Al Pulowski. Al, always grateful for your time. When we do this next time, I, uh, I want to give you the floor for a few minutes to uh, give us your elevator pitch on why we should have robot umps. So we'll, we'll save that for next conversation. You got it, Spencer. <laughs> always appreciate you, brother. Have a good night. You too, bud. See you. Al Pulowski, let's take a break. We'll uh, get Tito's audio on the other side. And we have a boatload of things to still get to in the final hour plus of the show. Final hour 20 of Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Spencer in for Jonathan tonight on The Fan.